Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February the 15th, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book and chapter more about alcoholism, and we're on page 31 today, the last paragraph beginning with We do not like to pronounce any individual. And today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Joanne L. The 12 traditions, Sandy L. Our readers for the text today are Duell, Katie F., and Santa H. The reference number for Sunday's special edition at 8.30, yesterday, February the 14th, 2016, is 8.30. Four, six, one, and that was a focused presentation on daily diligence. The OA preamble: Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, should th- who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask, please, Joanne L. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Joanne L. from Rhode Island, Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous, one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will in our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. In twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. And thank you, Joanne L. I will now ask uh, Sandy L. to please read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, everyone. This is Sandy L. calling currently from uh, Arizona. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. <clears throat> One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may he express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but just and servants. They do not govern. <clears throat> Excuse me. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, or we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, never ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you again, Sandy L. Now, this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by pay, saying pass. 
Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book on page 31, the last paragraph. I will now ask Du L to please begin reading. Good morning. It says, we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a case bed of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Du L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And I love this because it's, um, it's saying we're not going to pronounce you alcoholic. That's not our job. Our job is to help you to see for yourself what you are. And um, I love what page 30 said, that the first thing we need to do is we need to fully concede to our innermost selves that we are alcoholics, that we are compulsive overeaters. And so how do we do this? How do, how do, we, how do I, if I'm trying to figure out if I'm a compulsive overeater, how do I know for sure that I am that? And so he said, well, you know, put it to, um, put it to a test. Quickly diagnose yourself. And I want to I define this word because um, a lot of times we skip over this and it's really important to identify certain words. It says, diagnose is the identification of a disease by analysis or experimentation. Um, it's also identifying or determining the nature and cause of a disease or injury through evaluation of patient history, examination, and review of laboratory data, the opinion brought about from such an evaluation. So here's saying, you know, you're going to do your own diagnosis, your own experimentation. And it says, step to the nearest bar room, or in our case, step to the nearest store, step to the nearest uh, food bar right, and, and try some control eating. And try it, but stop abruptly. So they're not saying go off to the races and binging my brains off. They're saying, no, try and experiment and see if you can have control to stop abruptly eating your binge foods, okay? And they said try it more than once. You know, try it one day or a couple hours later or try it the next day or try it the next week and see if you can stop. See if you can absolutely stop doing that. And they said, it will not take you long to decide if you're honest with yourself. This is self-analysis. Not somebody else telling you what you are. Um, you need to fully concede to yourself that you are this. It says, it may be a, a, worth, a, ca a case of bad jitters for a full knowledge of a condition. So, Okay, so what does that mean? That means that once I try to experiment, what, what are the conditions that I'm going to experience? experience? Am, I, am I able to stop? Uh, am I going to get fat? Am I going to lose my teeth? Is my skin going to sag? Um, what is it that's going to happen to me when I take this food? Um, you know, and 
And sure enough, if I'm a true compulsive overeater, once I start, I can't stop. And once I stop, I can't stay stopped. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to go into that insane thinking of way of doing things. And so we're going to learn more about that. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Duel. Okay. Who would like to comment for about three minutes on what was written? Nessa R. Okay. Sally. Nessa Larry. R. We this is Bella. Can I share? We have Larry. We have Bella. Anybody else? Vasa O. And Vasa. Let's go with those five. We're going to start with Nessa R. First. Please, you're up, Nessa. Hi, good morning, my fellows. My name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, this is one of three paragraphs that describe how to diagnose oneself. The next one is on page 34 at the top, where it says, if anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. If he's a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there's scant chance of success. And then on page 44, at the top it says, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. And what these paragraphs tell me is that it's not my business to diagnose anybody else, and that nobody else can diagnose me. Um, only one can diagnose one. And when I got to these rooms, long before I read this paragraph, I had already diagnosed myself because I had never heard of Overeaters Anonymous or any other um, anonymous program except for Alcoholics Anonymous. And I went online and I was desperate. I went online and I, and I Googled. I Googled Overeaters Anonymous. And, you know, of course, it came up. So I already knew that the way I was eating wasn't normal. And more important than the way I was eating wasn't normal, the fact that I couldn't quit, that I couldn't stop, that I couldn't keep the weight up, that I had taken off to diet wasn't normal e- either. Um, you know, I have, uh, you know, discussions with some fees or with people in, people in, people in the rooms who, who argue, well, I cannot do this and I cannot do that or this is too much, it's too... It's too strict, but it's too over the top, whatever. And I tell them, listen, the only reason I have to do this program is because I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever of who and what I am. I have diagnosed myself. If this is for you, that I cannot tell you. You know, you, you have to determine for yourself. And I direct them to this paragraph. I say, you know, just, just replace food for alcohol. And try it. And I actually had one sponsor trying this. And at the end of like a couple of weeks, she decided I'm I'm not the real deal. I'm not a um, I'm not a compulsive overeater. And and she left. And she probably wasn't. I mean, not everybody who who's overweight is a compulsive overeater necessarily, right? The paragraph uh, that describes the hard eater tells us that. Um, but the key for me here is I had to diagnose myself. Nobody else could diagnose myself any more than I can diagnose anybody else. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Nessa R. And Sally A., it is your turn. Thanks, Janice. Um, Sally A., recovering from South Jersey. So um, in keeping it with just shared, 
we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic. And we really can't pronounce anyone else. They have to know it on their own. It goes on to say, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. And in my case, it was a matter of trying another diet. Yet another diet. Another diet possibly with group support. That was controlled eating for me was just another diet with group support. And I marvel at how many years I was in OA. And I was still going back to some of these other programs that are out there and trying again, dieting with group support, as if maybe I missed something. Maybe I wasn't listening to some key component. I don't know what it was, but maybe I missed something. Interestingly, this uh, page 92 is another really great spot. I want to take you there for a moment. In the middle, right smack in the middle of page 92, it says, be careful not to brand him as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusion. If he sticks to the idea that he can still control, there's that word again that's over and over that is really what defines whether or not you are one of us. If you're like me, you cannot control your eating. He sa- it says here, if he sticks to the idea that he can still control his drinking, tell him that possibly he can. It's like the set-aside prayer. Set aside what you think. Maybe you can. It's a place of humility. I don't know. I'm not going to assert what I think, what I see. Because the truth of the matter is, there are lots of people that are obese, even super obese, that don't have what I have. And they go to these programs, and they just didn't know how to eat. They just needed some good, strong nutritional advice. They needed to get on a program. They needed a good, strong food plan. And they lost all their weight. And off into the sunset, they walked. They were not like me. They did not have what I have. And there are people that are, that are five pounds away from their correct weight, some lower, some higher. And they do have what I have. So it's not about what they look like. And that's why it is so important to be careful not to brand somebody as an alcoholic. They have to draw their own conclusions. They have to come to their own, their own mindset that, hey, I am out of control with my eating. And if they're not sure, by all means, try some more controlled eating. Try some more dieting with group support. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. And thank you, Sally A. Larry, you're up. Good morning. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service, Janice. Um, here's the problem with this, you know, as I see it, you know, you know, <laughs> diagnose yourself. Um, okay. Uh, no, I don't have that problem. <laughs> you know, um, you know, doctors, when, when they diagnose, let's say, uh, you know, for some sort of physical condition, they have, uh, you know, you'll go in, you'll have a physical exam, you'll, you'll perhaps you'll take a blood test. Um, there's all sorts of diagnostic tools in which to diagnose someone of a particular, you know, physical disease. You know, in my world, um, it's a little bit more complex, you know, because there's not necessarily a physical origin. So we have diagnostic criteria and we have, you know, a classification system based on symptoms and so forth. But here, you know, we're coming, we're coming into the rooms and, they're, and, and, and in the big book here it's saying, 
why don't you go ahead and diagnose yourself? You know, and that makes it challenging indeed. It makes it challenging. I know it did for me. Um, you're telling me to go diagnose myself? No, I want, I want you to diagnose me. I want mommy and daddy to diagnose me. I want the doctor to diagnose me. You know, people come and they, they want to be told what their problem is and, and fix it for me, would you? I got a headache. Would you fix it for me? If, you, if I just went to the doctor and he said, well, here, Larry, here's a, here's a sledgehammer, just a, you know, a couple of whacks over the head. Maybe that'll, that'll solve your problem. No, I want to be told what to do. And here, what makes it challenging is we're saying, no, you know what? You're going to have to diagnose yourself. You know, step over to the nearest bakery. You know, see if you can stop. See, but even then, most of us are going to be in, in, a, in a, a severe uh, a place of denial. You know, and until we can, though, unfortunately, when we have this allergy of the body and this, this far more insidious aspect, this obsession of the mind, until we can diagnose ourselves, we, we're never going to even get up to the plate of, of a solution. You know, lack of power, that was our dilemma. The solution is an access to that power. Until we diagnose ourselves and get honest with ourselves, we're never going to get up to the plate. You can come here every day. You can spend 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and you'll never, ever, ever get the solution because you won't have the wherewithal or the desire to see it through because you haven't accepted. You know, someone that comes in, you know, with delusions, with, with, with uh, uh, you know, all sorts of insane, you know, insane types of thinking, you know, they have no choice but to accept their diagnosis and perhaps, you know, a, a, a solution. But here, you know, we kind of hedge our bets. We're in a gray area. We have, to, we have to diagnose ourselves. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. Bella G., it is your turn. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. <clears throat> Sorry. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. If you are honest with yourself, wow, to be honest. Bella, this could is... you please, Bella, could you please lower your voice, please, please. For me, it's a, to be honest. This is for me a freedom, a real freedom for me, because as soon as I accepted myself as a compulsive overeater, I understood that, yes, I have my own alcoholic food, that it doesn't mean that my alcoholic food is your alcoholic food. And by leaving the steps and by really leaving the steps, I understood that now I am not connected anymore to my ego. I am connected to a loving power, and I can be honest with myself. I am not afraid anymore to be blamed and to be judged. I don't have to be anymore a people pleaser. I learn to be honest with myself and to know what are my alcoholic food. And it doesn't mean that I am a bad girl, that I am stupid, that I don't deserve. It means that this is the way that God created me and I have my alcoholic food. And this is a freedom to be honest and not to think, oh, what people will say or 
who I am. No, now I am. This, Why does Bella this is the way. yell into the phone? I don't get it. It's hurting my ears. Why can't she lower her voice? It's not Go fair. Ahead, Go ahead, Bella. Okay, thank you, and I pass. Rude to interrupt someone who's speaking. Okay. Um, thank you, Bella G., so much. Thank you. All right, Vasa O., it is your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I'm Vasa O., grateful, recovered, compulsive, overeater. And uh, no one could have convinced me I was compulsive, overeater. I mean, I looked at my addiction five years Somebody's um, excuse me, Vasa. Would would everybody be kind enough to please, please, um, mute your phone, star one. Thank you, thank you, Janice. Again, as I said, no, no one could have convinced me that I was compulsive, Vida. I know the experimentation I had done 25 years before I came to Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, and uh, and you know at first I thought everybody that was overweight that m- wanted to lose weight somehow I thought they had the same disease as I did, you know the allergy, you know the mental obsession and then as I came to know learn, you know I realized I guess nobody not everybody has my disease and it's none of my business today to diagnose people, they have to take an honest look themselves with themselves, what they're doing with the food. Um, so I came to my own conclusion, although I didn't know it was fooding, it was eating disorder, disorder or, or, or it was a disease. I didn't know it was compulsive. I just knew I had a problem with the food. I, there was no name. I had no name for it. And I was grateful to find out when I came. I've been abstinent for a few years, and I decided maybe I will, I'm going to experiment and go with the white flour for a little bit. And I found out soon, I mean, I did, this was a conscious decision, you know. It's not like I had a slip, I forgot, or whatever, you know. It was a conscious decision on my part. I remember saying, well, maybe I'm just going to try with the white flour. Well, soon um, the allergy started uh, creeping in, and I wanted more and more and more. And then I realized I couldn't even touch even that, so... I'm so grateful to be here with all of you and to have found the solution, and I pass. And thank you, Vasa O. Before we go on, just a gentle reminder to please keep our our phones muted by by pressing star 1. We'd appreciate that. Okay, we'll take a few more for um, this reading. We'll have Rick. Maureen M. Melissa Monica. C. We'll have Virginia Marie. C. Right. <laughs> Okay, I heard, I don't know, I, I think I heard Monica, and I heard Rakesset, and I heard, is it Marion? Marion? Maureen M. Maureen, that's who I heard. Maureen M. And who else? Who else? Melissa Virginia C. Melissa and Virginia. We'll take those before we go on. Okay. Rakesset, please go ahead. Thank you, Janice, for your service. Um I like this paragraph a lot because it, 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 it's what I have to do. I have to be honest with myself. When I came into program, I was told no sugar, no flour, no fats, no salts. 
that was easy for me to accept. Okay, I was honest. Those are really, really uh, poison foods for me, alcoholic foods for me. I cannot have them in any form. But then I started getting into a gray area where I, there were foods that other people were eating in program, abstinent foods, that I wasn't sure that I um, had a problem with, you know, and I had to experiment with those. And usually I fell flat on my face. Whenever I hear the word, I have to experiment, to me that's already a signal that I'm not being honest, that I know it's a problem, just put it down. So, for instance, um, uh, early on in the program, I got, I got addicted to, to a condiment, the condiment that most people in the program eat doesn't have hardly any calories, it's no big deal. And I got addicted to it, and I had to put it down. Then I was honest with myself, and I had to put it down. And then a few years later, I thought, well, maybe I can handle it now. You know, I know what, I'll have one half ounce of this condiment every day. As soon as I heard the word every day, that had to be a signal to me because I knew if I had it one day, I'm going to want it every day. And then, you know, I, I'm talking myself into this. Well, one half ounce is not enough. Maybe I'll make it an ounce. That'll be enough. That'll satisfy me. And then it was an ounce. And then the next week, it was two ounces. And then... You know, it was it was totally, totally spiraling out of control because I had to be honest with myself and say, no, I can't have that condiment. I couldn't have it years ago when I was in program. What makes me think I can have it now? What has changed? For me, these things don't change. For other people, maybe. But for me, if I am addicted to a food or a substance, you know, 10 years ago, I'm going to be addicted today too. There's nothing that has changed in me. I'm still a food addict. And so I have to be brutally honest with myself of what I can have, what I can't have. I have to be very, very clear, honest with myself, honest with God, because that's the only way that I'm going to be able to to do this program, to work this program, if I'm brutally honest about my food and about everything else in my life. And it's great. It's really, really wonderful to live that way. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Hello, Janice. Hi, this is Raquel. When you can fit me in, I'll be glad well, to join my about, friends. Okay, we have about four before you, Raquel. So we'll. Oh, okay. If not, okay. then the second hour. Be well. Thank you. Let me uh, thank Raquel Z first, and then we're going to have Monica T. Please go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. So what I get here is that we are doing a test of the allergy of the body. If you don't believe, if you don't fully believe that you have an allergy to certain foods, well, why don't you try this little experiment? And I heard someone say this. Okay, so what's your favorite binge food? All right, so that's your favorite binge food. Okay, I'm going to give you a little experiment here. For the next 30 days or next 10 days, I want you to have two of these a day. No more, no less. And see what happens. Well, I don't know about the rest of you, but if it's one of my allergic foods, I know from my past experimentation, that there's no way I would only be able to handle two. And then my crazy thinking would probably go, well, let's see, tomorrow I won't have any, so then the next day I can have four of them. 
You know, here's the crazy thinking, too. But the fact is the allergy. If you don't believe you have an allergy, then try some of this controlled eating and see what happens. And if you're a real compulsive overeater, like I am, I can't control how much I'm going to eat of one of my binge foods because it sets off the phenomenon of craving. And then I have to eat. I have to. It's physically mandated. I have to eat. And this is, I think, what they're trying to show here. You know, do you believe you have the allergy? If you don't believe you have the allergy, try this little experiment and see what happens. And, um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Monica T. Maureen M., it's your turn. Hello? Can you hear me now, Maureen M? I can hear you now, Maureen. Thank you. Oh, good morning, everyone. I'm grateful to be talking to you all, and thank you for your service. Um, I am, you know, I have tested the waters many, many, many times, and I'm looking back at the paragraph before this, and it's not even a paragraph. It's like one long litany, one long sentence of what I tried to do um, many, many times. I'm not happy because I'm back again. I relapsed again. And, uh, you know, I keep thinking that I can do it. And I... I'm afraid because, uh, you know, the last line about accepting involuntary commitment, I mean, you know, I I almost want to do that. I almost want to, like, shut myself away somewhere where I can be watched like a little child. And um, I, I don't need that. I need to trust in my higher power. I need to be here every morning. I need to be at the meeting I was at yesterday. I need to read literature. And I need to get up out of bed and realize I'm not thinking right and get right. And I just thank you for being here today. I'm grateful for for listening. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Maureen M. Melissa C., it's your turn. Hi. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, I love how this program tells us that we have to diagnose ourselves um, because unless, you know, you believe this in the depths of your soul, unless you have done the, your own diagnosis, um, then then it's just another diet that for me that I couldn't follow or that I, you know, or that I think I can tweak to my own liking. Um, you know, when I first read that, you know, try some controlled eating. Um, I knew that I had been doing that all my life. My my whole life was trying to eat and stopped abruptly. Um, as soon as I took that bite, I was already rewriting the plan, though. You know, I intended every time I started eating, I intended to um, eat it within a normal range. But I took that first bite, and I would quickly be rewriting that plan. I would be giving myself permission to eat, and then 
it went, um, well, I'll just start again tomorrow or Monday or after the holidays, as long as I didn't have to stop right now, because really I knew I couldn't. Um, and, and the thing is, is that once I start, not only can't I stop, I don't want to stop. You know, like that's it. My desire immediately goes away. Um, I could have the strongest desire and then put the food in and the desire is like, puff, you know, it's gone. Um, and, um, you know, so thank God I'm done with the experiment. Um, you know, I say like the data has been collected, the results are in, I am a food addict. I have the diagnosis. And, you know, it's a relief to truly know this. The years of trying to control my eating with diets and portion control, thinking I could have one slice, one piece, just this little bit, um, it always led me to a binge and to all the angst of battling the food. Do I eat it? Do I dare? Will anyone notice if I just take a little more? Um, that was like the constant chatter in my brain. And today I have full knowledge of my condition. Yes, I have this. No, I cannot control it. Um, and it makes it pretty clear that there are no alternatives but to rely on a higher power, you know, completely. And um, I'm just glad I know this today. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. Okay, Virginia C. You're going to be the last one before we go on. Virginia. Hi. This is Virginia C. from New York. Um, I had, you know, I had experience um, with this, these paragraphs, in that after I had been, you know, in the program for a short time and been abstinent and had gone through the steps, um, you know, I was in a period of my life where I wasn't practicing my 10, 11, and 12 as strongly as I had before. I was just dealing with some transitions in my life. And someone had suggested um, a book for me, um, more about exercise to help me with my exercise program. And and, uh, and I was reading it, and, and uh, they dealt with a section on diet, and I was reading about this diet, and I was like, okay, this is fairly similar to my diet and what I eat, you know, so it seems like I'm okay. But then I got to the part in the diet where it said the important part of the diet was that one day a week you must eat as much as you want. And of course, because I'm crazy, because I have this disease, I latched on to that and I thought, well, that seems like a reasonable idea. And I follow, you know, I had my normal abstinent food all week long. And then on Saturdays, I ate. Well, I did not get into my most, you know, the sugar and the flour, um, but I ate as much as I want my abstinent food and got into some of my yellow light foods that I wasn't too sure about. And sure enough, it did not work out so well for me. Um, and that brought me back to, a, you know, a place where, you know, I wasn't in a situation where I was, you know, binging every day, but, you know, I was having trouble. And, you know, a few weeks later, I might get into some trouble again. And it's just, it's it's amazing how crazy we are in this disease. It's like everything that we know from being in this program, we can just get, you know, one bright idea that we can just latch onto. It's so easy for us when we're not strong in our program and we're not working our 10, 11, and 12. Um, and, but I'm grateful for it because it helped me to, you know, look at my program, look at things again, redefine um, some of my abs- areas of abstinence, and 
it's given me just a little more, um, I hate to use the word fear, but a little bit more fear that I cannot play around with this disease. I cannot, you know, make some other author of some diet book my God and let him tell me what I can and can't eat because I know what I can and can't eat because God has told me that. And that's what I need to latch on to and, you know, be free from the idea that I can experiment because we cannot we cannot experiment with our disease. It will not work out well for us. Um, thank you for letting me share and with that I pass. And thank you, Virginia C. Okay, I'm going to invite Katie F. to please begin reading on page 32, the first paragraph, please. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Though there is no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who show definite signs of alcoholism are able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. I'm going to stop there. Um, and, yes, I, w- I was able to um, diet. You know, I was able to go on a diet and have it work and not eat any of the foods that they said you couldn't eat, and I, I was really good at that. You know, there are some people um, in these rooms who said that they never could diet. Well, I, I could diet, but <laughs> I could never stay sick. And once the diet was over, which some diets, you know, you do it for two weeks, you have two weeks off, or you eat, you know, just these certain things during the day, then you have just a normal meal. And none of those kind of diets ever worked for me. Um, but the periods of being able to follow any type of diet is what got shorter and shorter to the point where, you know, if I got up out of bed, then the diet was over because I couldn't even walk past um, the bowl of uh, mints at my work. I worked in a restaurant. You know, the debate was on every morning. Will I, won't I, will I, won't I? And, you know, it got to the point where I couldn't even walk by that. And, uh, you know, maybe an idea would have been to stop walking by it. Like, don't go that way. But, you know, I wasn't able to do that. Um, So that's the progressive nature of this disease, that there is, you know, there are some people like me who have no control when it comes to food. And I didn't believe that for a long time. I thought that it was everybody else. If everybody else would just act right and treat me right, then I wouldn't have this desire to compulsively overeat. I thought that it was your fault because you were mean to me, or you looked at me cross, or you didn't like me, or you didn't think I was good enough, or you didn't help me, or you cut me off in traffic, or you, you know, whatever. I thought that my eating was your fault. And I did not understand that I had an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind that not every other human being had. I thought because you have to eat, you know, I heard in these rooms you take the tiger out of the cage every every however long and, uh, you know, for your meal, and then you um, you try, you know, to have that meal, and then you put it back. So I thought that I was supposed to learn in these rooms how to control my eating. 
And it wasn't until I was beaten up to the point where, as I said, I couldn't even, you know, go uh, to work without picking up the food by 10 a.m., eating this disgusting mix of Coke or Diet Coke and mints. Um, you know, I, I had to hit bottom. And that's, you know, these stories going to show us that they had the semblance of control for a period. And then what happens next? With that, I'll, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Katie F. Okay, Raquel, would you like to share on this paragraph, Raquel? All right. Who would like Hello, to I'd love to share. Thank oh, you, Janice. Yes, please yeah, go ahead. But you have, I have the timer here, but if I forget to look at it, you tell me. It's a short one, right? Okay. I, I wanted to say about uh, uh, hello to all my dear friends, family out there, and Janice, thanks for your service. Um, this paragraph really speaks to me about the research and development, which we call, um, and I just had an experience last week where I thought that uh, a certain thing that I eat in a certain form is okay to eat in another form. I will say it very simple. Adamame is something that I use in cooking, in 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 baked veg in in uh, baked vegetables in the oven, fine. But now I found out that they have been crunchy and salted. It's the same product, but I can't have it. I had to just throw it away, and I had to take the empty bag. And I want to keep it. I just want to look at it. To tell myself, you see, Rachel, you need to check out when you have seven years and, and two months and four days of abstinence, you still need to be on guard because the disease is stronger than you and he's going to come from the left field, whatever. I would have loved to have about 10 packs of this and put them in my salad. And I can't, so I give it to God and I thank you all for being there. And and I love you, and have a good, wonderful, excellent day, all of you. God bless. I pass. Okay, thank you, Raquel. Okay, who would at this time would like to comment on what was read, page 32, the first paragraph? Who would like to comment here? Can you hear me? I make it for you now. I love you, Judy F. Hi, I'm Nancy R. Okay, we'll have Judy F. And we'll have Nancy R. Roxanne C. And then we'll stop at that. Roxanne, see how many, see how we go. Okay, Judy F., please go ahead. Thank you, Janice. Can I be heard? Yes, you can be heard. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, Let me just set my timer here because I am long-winded. Um, my name is Judy F. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And um, wow, yeah, this everything, it's just everyone who shared, I could just relate. In this paragraph, um, we're able to stop for a long period of time because of an overpowered desire to do so. But um, then um, picking it up, and, and I... Um, that that I had that experience, and um, and there were times early on um, I would 
binge on the weekends and then diet during the week. And I could do this for months on end. And then it became three days of binging. My weekends became longer and my weeks of dieting became shorter. And it was that that whole um, history of trying everything to kind of control what I was eating and always losing that control. But I would tell myself, well, I can go five days so I don't have a problem. Or I can even go two. It became, well, I can have two days. And I told myself, the lies I told myself, well, if I can even have one day, that means I can control it. Instead of seeing it, if it's just one day I can't control it, it's controlling me. Um, then, and then it just got worse where um, that I was just doing it all day and night. And that's when I hit the bottom finally. But there was a long time that I did that. And this disease just gets, it just rampages through not only the food, but just the lies. And I was lying about um, my, I was in sales and I was making up proposals and I was making up appointments so I could have my food or so that I could um, over-exercise to get rid of my food. Um, or if I had taken laxatives, I would lie that I can't come into work because I was working on a big proposal at home. I mean, it just went into the whole, all of my life. And so it wasn't just a food or weight problem. It was a total unmanageability of my life. But it started with there were times early on that I could have um, control and I would keep going back to that in my head. Well, I can do it. I just don't want it enough. So I'm just so grateful that I hit the bottom, that I was given a real structured way of working the program and the steps, and that I was able to trust and rely on a higher power that gives me, that controls my life and enables me to live in freedom where the food is neutral and it's way over there and I can live my life and live it with God and with a fellowship and not want the food. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Judy F. Okay, Nancy, is it Nancy Ara? Oh, yeah, yeah, Nancy Ara. Good morning. I'm Nancy Ara. I'm a grateful recover compulsive overeater, one who has full knowledge of my condition. I'm so grateful that I understand. I'm not confused. I'm living in a relatively new community where people uh, don't know my history, and uh, I was at a Valentine's Day uh, dinner for couples Friday night, and people are, people don't understand. I don't try to explain, but what I do, I carry around a picture of my 340-pound body. So, if, you know, if we move to do so, when people want to know why I'm not doing this and why I'm not doing that, I just whip out my picture, and that's usually... Uh, ends the conversation after, oh, that's not you? Yeah, oh, that couldn't be you. Well, yes, it is. That is me. And that's me if I forget, you know. If I if I have a lapse in memory of what I am, today I am not confused. I am a full-blown compulsive overeater. I know my disease is progressive. And I know that I don't have the power to stop, you know. I, and that's why I have to listen to these meetings, go to meetings, Read the literature. I don't want to forget. I do not want to forget or ever, you know, ever um, think that I have any power over this disease. So I'm so grateful for OA 
And for all of you who come on here every day, I thank God for leading me to this wonderful fellowship and to this wonderful meeting. And thank you for your service. Have a great day, everybody. Well, thank you, Nancy. Okay, Roxanne, it's your turn. I didn't get your last initial, your last name, Roxanne. Hi, Janice. Can you hear me? I can hear you. What is your initial of your, your last name? P. Roxanne P. Please go In ahead. New York. Thank you okay. so much. I, I really want to, uh, uh, this last sentence here, the first part of it where it says, it may be worth a bad case of jitters, and uh, that it is, it's definitely worth a bad case of jitters for me to get a full knowledge of my condition because I spent so many years and over years anonymous and, you know, getting honest and then not working the program and going back to the food. Uh, but I never got a full knowledge of my condition until this time around where, thank God for a recovered sponsor who lovingly helped me face all of my allergies and not just simply say, well, I only have a problem with flour and sugar and, you know, I'm fine with everything else because there were like these yellow lights that, you know, she said, well, what about this and what about that? And I was like, yeah, but I've had those on food plans before. And, you know, and I would say, you know, it's okay. It wasn't okay because I would go to a function and uh, maybe binge on cheese or something like that and say, well, I'm not eating flour and sugar, and then not be honest with the fact that uh, I, was, I was overeating. I was compulsively overeating and saying, well, next time I just won't eat as enough, you know, that much cheese, but there I am saying that I have the power to do that. You know, I never really reached the true honesty of my condition of how powerless I was. And now that my food plan is just so clean, I'm so much freer. So, yeah, you know what? It was worth the difficulty I had in getting honest to become honest. It was worth the, you know, uh, you know, the everything I had to go through in order to get to the point of being truly honest about my condition, which is what we need to help, you know, what I need to do a really good step one, what I need to help, you know, uh, someone, um, you know, get a knowledge of their condition. Uh, And it has to be me making that decision. You know, I can get the help when it comes to deciding that of, of, well, look at this, look at that. But I've got to be the one to make the decision and say, yeah, you're right. You know, I'm willing. I'm willing to let, you know, let that go. Thanks, everyone. and I'll pass. Well, thank you, Roxanne T. And I want to thank everyone uh, for uh, who shared today. So please join us if you haven't had a chance to share this hour for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Well, Santa H., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Keep you until then. Okay, good morning, everyone. My name is Santa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater for today, calling in from Georgia. And thank you so much, Janice, for your service today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize that we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. 
if your own house is in order. But obviously, we cannot transmit something we haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Commit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and will surely meet some of you as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.